This excellent medical student-led podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended to be used as medical advice under any circumstance. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 19 here of Alert and Oriented Podcast. This is Nick, got Megan with me, Dr. Abrams, Dr. Gazinski. We have a little bit of a, a pretty fun episode planned for you guys today. So instead of having our traditional medical student discussing, Megan and I decided to write up a case that we saw on our, our rotation that we recently had together. We thought this was a really interesting case, definitely challenged the way that we thought. And so we, we thought it'd be really fun to kind of flip the script here and have Dr. Abrams and, and Dr. Gutsinski here kind of just take a shot at, at going through the aliquots themselves. So really looking forward to this. And uh, yeah, Megan, you can go ahead and... Yeah. Awesome. I'm excited. They won't admit it, but I think they look a little nervous. We'll see how things go. I, I see Dr. Abrams wiping sweat. Yeah. <laughs> look, you can't see it. All right, so we'll get started. So I'm 40 years out of medical school now. No, not 40, but getting close. Getting close, yeah. I'm see how much you remember? Less than four months out. So anything that appeared on step one or step two is, is way, way, way out of my whatever. So Kevin's a no call. Okay, aliquot one. Megan, take it away. We have a 25-year-old male, no known past medical history, presented to an outside hospital with abdominal pain, nausea, and vomiting. He was found to be severely hypoxic to the mid-80s on arrival, the chest x-ray concerning for pneumonia, and due to respiratory distress, he was intubated and sent to our facility for escalation of care. I'm, I'm going to jump in and be the, be the leadoff hitter. I like to, when I played baseball, I was the leadoff hitter, and I think <laughs> that suits me well in this scenario because... There's a lot of pressure to get on base right when you start, right? <laughs> but if you have someone behind you that can like swing uh, for the fences, yeah. there's less pressure. And <laughs> that that person's Dr. Abrams. He's gonna he's gonna hit out of the park, so I can start, and there's no pressure to to get on base. Please here. start. <laughs> so 25 year old, this person is a young male, and they're I'm immediately drawn to the hypoxia in the mid 80s and then the chest x-ray is concerning for a pneumonia so there's something on that chest x-ray to suggest consolidation we'll we'll see hopefully in a little bit whether that's one side or both sides with him being hypoxic in the 80s i'm gonna i'm worried that it's something bilaterally he was then intubated and so that just kind of paints the picture that this person's really struggling and is sick which is unusual for a 25 year old we don't know any other past medical history at this time but to frame the hypoxia on what he presented with complaining of abdominal pain, nausea, and vomiting, I'd have a difficult time doing that because those aren't two that I'd normally connect together. But I think what would be important is to think a little more outside of the box with abdominal pain maybe being referred pain. So perhaps it could be referred pain from the lungs, from the heart, from the thoracic muscles, et cetera. And then, yeah, I think that's, that's as far as I can take it from right now. I, you know, and then I ideally would like to explain the hypoxia. We know there's something concerning for pneumonia, but I'm also thinking of other things like vascular and heart related and then pulmonary parenchymal related. Am I up? Yeah. <laughs> so maybe I take a, the exact opposite approach to nice. what Kevin did. <laughs> and I start out with the patient's chief complaint and then try to work forward from there to the hypoxia instead of doing it backwards. So, you know, you think about abdominal pain, nausea, and vomiting. Of course, my first question always is, where's the abdominal pain? Which I hope that you'll bring us to in a, in a few minutes. And, and I go back, and anybody who works with me knows that my favorite medical school class is one that you guys don't do now, which was embryology. <laughs> we learned some embryology. <laughs> and, and, and I think about abdominal pain in an embryologic fashion. And so the question always is, is then, where was the abdominal pain? Is it, is it foregut, midgut, hindgut pain? I you wouldn't say. <laughs> and, and again, because that, yeah. that places it anatomic. So if somebody says, I had pain in my periumbilical region, it, it puts me in a place. So I do ask that, and of course, nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain could put you in a lot of places to begin with. But again, like Kevin says, it puts you in the abdomen, 
and and maybe we shouldn't be thinking the abdomen. Maybe this is this is pain that came from somewhere else to the abdomen. The other thing that I think about with this is is you know it goes back to sort of that Occam's razor piece that yeah. we like to talk about that Kevin and I like to talk about, and that is it is you know can I do I really tie these things together or are these two separate things? The other thing is. Well, maybe maybe I'll maybe I'll leave it at that. I mean, remember, this person could be having an abdominal catastrophe yeah. and develop ARDS or something like that secondary to this. So I really got to keep that in mind because because I guess we'd have to think. You went right outside the box. Is this an uncommon presentation of a common disease, or is this a uncommon disease presenting like this mm. and i think as the case unfolds we'll we'll have a better idea of that yeah and when when just thinking about the disease it could be i just thought it was interesting for me like 25 year old male intubated like yeah there i i mean i don't know have a list of diseases but that something has obviously gone seriously wrong here that's definitely out of the ordinary from from like a typical disease process yeah but imagine you know so 25 year olds are stoic and yeah, you know, they so so he could be listen. He could have appendicitis that caused this, and now he has sepsis. And I can get to that place. Yeah, absolutely. So the fact that he's twenty five just means that he's hardier than a you know an eighty year old that yeah. would might present totally different. But you guys are going to have to unfold the case for us a little bit before we say much more. I think to tie on the young age with intubation, that like brought to my mind trauma, drug use. And then maybe some more weird genetic related syndromes. All right. I think you guys covered basically everything. So <laughs> didn't leave much for us to say, but we'll move on to the second aliquot and give you a little bit more information. Okay, so a little more information about the patient here. He moved here from Guatemala five years ago. Just in terms of collateral history that was got on, on transfer here, they learned he reports weakness in his legs for as long as he could remember. They, he believes it was relatively stable now. Notes difficulty keeping up with his siblings, able to ambulate independently. Never been formally evaluated by a physician for this. In addition, there was a reports of URI symptoms several weeks ago which are resolved. There's no known family history of anything similar. The patient does not take any medications, denies any drug or alcohol use. So as, you know, as this patient got transferred here, we we're just trying to get all the information that we could. And, and these were some like notable bits that, that we had. So how does this kind of, I guess, change, change what you're thinking here or help evolve what you're thinking? So Kevin, I'll start and then okay. I will let you actually tie everything together. Okay. So obviously there's a, there's a lot here. Yeah, there is. And there's a lot of additional history that sits here. We can go to your first point here, which is the wound from Guatemala five years ago, which could be, you know, Guatemala five years ago. And so what, yeah. you know, yeah. is, this, is this something that he acquired in Guatemala that's specific to Guatemala? Is this something he acquired as a young child because you know, because it's something that runs, yeah. he's exposed or it's something that runs in the family, goes back to those genetic things that Kevin was talking about earlier. The weakness in the legs obviously brings up certain things. And so it's, it's for as long as he can remember. So that just means in my mind that it, 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 it is sort of like that. So he has a condition that's caused cause that weakness and you can see here he can't keep up with his his siblings and so it's not it's 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 subtle except when you're stressed and then it becomes then it becomes real he hasn't seen a doctor not surprising you know nobody nobody and particularly guys never like to go to a doctor so that guilty that doesn't that doesn't bother me that much and then you've got this sort of thing that's flashing in front of you, which is this URI several weeks ago, yeah. which I know Kevin is going to comment on <laughs> in a few minutes, and I will, I will leave him to comment. And so, so I think, does he have some underlying predisposition that is then triggered, because there's the trigger that takes whatever he had underlying and, and makes it worse or triggers something that he had sort of living in him and now it brings on this disease 
And then you have the other pieces, which is, you know, we did talk about genetics and no known family history of similar symptoms. You know, remember every genetic disease has its own phenotyping. So, so you could be, or this person could be the worst of the, of the worst of the yeah. phenotypes, but there were a lot of people that had the genetic disease. We've got the meds, including the, including the drugs and alcohol, and we'll take it for, for face value. The other thing is people inadvertently take medication sometimes, mm -hmm. so they don't think they're taking medicines, but there's inadvertent meds. And again, we're talking about triggers. Sometimes those inadvertent things trigger diseases that are then, you know, manifest themselves in, in, a, in a way hopefully not as terrible as this person is manifesting themselves. I'm going to try to do Dr. Irvin's discussion justice here and tie some things together. My system one thinking, seeing this rich aliquot brought some things to mind immediately. His history of living in Guatemala brought particular infectious things to mind. Reporting weakness as long as he could remember brought particular muscular things to mind. And then there's, whether it's a red herring or something we're gonna anchor on, the URI symptom several weeks ago, it brings some neurological things to mind. So now like, now trying to slow down and apply my system two thinking and take this in a little bit smaller pieces, I'm gonna start with the URI symptom several weeks ago, which resolved, and now he's experiencing some acute worsening. I'm worried about something neurologic post-viral, such as Guillain-Barre. He could still have weakness for as long as he could remember, and then the, this you are led to molecular mimicry, et cetera, causing Guillain-Barre to present this acute worsening, ultimately compromising his respiratory system. The piece that he has difficulty keeping up with the siblings, I find to be pretty interesting. This makes me think of like muscular dystrophies in particular, or myositis. He's not complaining of like muscle pain, but again, the URI is particularly, if I'm thinking in the autoimmune bucket, a URI preceding some acute worsening is another great story for the unmasking of some underlying autoimmune disease. He is male, which he's less likely than females to have autoimmune diseases. We don't have a family history to suggest there's autoimmune diseases, but I think there's still some info here that could suggest we go down that path. And now the Guatemala thing, this just raises, there's, when I think of Guatemala, I'm thinking of a cup and then paracoxidiomycosis, this doesn't really fit in my illness script for that, but I'll keep it in mind. And then Chagas disease, so trypanosoma cruzii, I believe. Not sure how to tie that in yet, but those are the two that come to mind when I'm thinking of this South American country. I feel reassured that there's no drug or alcohol use and then no known medication use that helps us move away from those. But again, just with his current condition, I'm not sure how reliable the history can be. So just important to keep in mind, even though we can move them down being much less likely. So I got one comment and then one question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll ask my question first, and that is your illness script for paracoxidiomycosis. <laughs> I don't have one of those. What is it? <laughs> it's lacking. It is step one factoids. I so I could be mis misspeaking, but I really think it's extremely similar to coccidiomycosis. The, the other thing that the, the comment is, is I'm struck by how many illnesses that, you know, we, we like to think about Guillain-Barre, which is the yeah. first thing that comes to mind when you, when you hear that, but there's so many other, and I'll use them, we'll use the term broadly, illnesses that seem to be triggered by viral. Oh, yeah infections now and 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 all of a sudden you can almost come up with this whole list of things that you know we 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 don't we we don't think of them that much I, i'm not sure we don't see them but we don't think of them and and i know and I, listen i'm not a pediatrician there are i know in the pediatric literature there are and you guys again because i haven't done peds for so long there's so many different things and and he's still young yeah the, the thing that sort of strikes me about this is this is a really young person and although he's 25 and i'm sure he wants to be called an adult i i can kind of slide him back a little bit also i think that's fair so i just leave it at that yeah i mean thank you guys 
did such a great job of breaking down like every single one of these bullet points and really going through what you're thinking. Just to kind of tie it back to the last quad, by the time that we saw him, the abdominal pain, nausea, and vomiting had basically resolved. So just to make sure that we're tying together all the loose ends. Okay. So yeah, when we saw him, we were mostly consulted for her. He was mostly experiencing the respiratory that's all for this aliquot. Anything like exam wise that you'd want to be looking for? I know it's always hard to do like a great full comprehensive exam. We try to do them a little bit more focused. So is there something specifically you know, you'd be looking for? Depending how sedated he is and like what his intubation status is at the time that you guys got the physical exam, I'd really like a neuro exam mm -hmm. just to get some more information there, see if we can focus a little bit more on that. And then I think laying eyes on him will be helpful to just kind of see what he's looking like. I'm expecting a pretty sick 25-year-old. Maybe. <laughs> Possibly. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, there's so much information that's out there but that, 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 that I could be asking about. But, you know, I'm going to even hone in on certain parts of the neuro exam yeah. that Kevin talks about. And I'm like, yeah, I want... It's one of those times where you really want to know what his reflexes yeah, well, are. Yeah, I mean, I'm almost like, I'm like, yeah, tell me what, the, tell me what his reflexes are because they, it seems like such a high yield part of yeah. this guy's neuro exam. Yeah. So, well, you guys will present CTRs. Yeah. What do, you, what, do you, what do you think, Megan? Should we give him a neuro exam? I think we should. All right. Well. Right. I'll have an exam for you. Vitals-wise, vitals were pretty unremarkable. General appearance, he's intubated. I was actually fully awake alert, which I was surprised about. I've never actually seen a patient that's like completely just not sedated while intubated. So I think that's something they don't really teach you before you start on your clinical rotations. You just assume everyone that has a breathing tube down their throat is also like pretty sedated. But apparently younger patients do tolerate it really well. And if you can avoid sedation, then that's best. So yeah, he looked honestly like pretty comfortable for... How uncomfortable I imagine he must be. Not in any acute distress. He was able to respond with yes, no questions by shaking his head. In terms of the rest of his exam, GI, his soft, non-tender, non-distended. His cardiac exam, unremarkable. Lungs, mechanical breath sounds, otherwise clear. On MSK, he had palpable scoliosis of the spine. No redness, warrant or swelling of his joints. Deformities of bilateral feet, noted left greater than right. And generalized lower extremity atrophy. Lower extremity atrophy also left greater than right. On his neuro exam, he's awake alert, following commands, cranial nerves are intact. For the motor exam, he has reduced strength in the bilateral upper and lower extremities, lower worse than the upper, more pronounced in the proximal muscles, reduced neck, neck flexion secondary to weakness. Sensory exam was normal, reflexes were absent at the biceps brachioradialis, triceps patellar, and Achilles bilaterally, and we did not assess his gait. You got your luxurious for yeah. your exam. A lot of neuro stuff in there. I'm going to put this one on the T and set, set the scene for Dr. Abrams, I think. <laughs> this is pretty unusual for an alert-oriented physical exam. Usually, we are very heavy on negative findings. <laughs> this exam is rich in some very interesting findings. So I'm going to start with the MSK exam. He has palpable scoliosis. Okay, could be a separate problem, but I think... I am a little bit suspicious in the constellation of other things that are present. So he has deformities of his bilateral feet. That's interesting. And then generalized lower extremity atrophy. So that suggests that, so that, that could explain why he's, you know, has had difficulty ambulating and keeping up with his kids or his siblings. And then the generalized lower extremity atrophy supports that this is a chronic issue. The neuro exam is very interesting. So he's diffusely weak in the upper and lowers, more pronounced in the proximal. That isn't, when I'm hearing that, I'm thinking of very various myositis related conditions. He has reduced neck flexion, so he, his neck muscles are weak. That's a very interesting finding, and I'd have to think about that a little bit more to kind of tie it in. He's diffusely hyporeflexic. So this is raising concern now for Guillain-Barre-like syndrome or acute, I forget the acute demyelinating, et cetera. But the fact that he, his lower extremities were hyporeflexic, his upper extremities are hyporeflexic, and he's intubated, I'm worried like that this is stressed proximally and uh, could be responsible for why he is having respiratory distress. Tying these all in together is difficult, the, it could be he has, like we've been mentioning, Guillain-Barre on top of some chronic musculoskeletal things, or could they all be related? And this is just an acute manifestation of some underlying chronic problem. 
the deformities of the bilateral feet are interesting. They like raise some, I'm thinking of muscular dystrophies and I'm thinking of Charcot-Marie tooth. So I'd like to get a little bit more, I'd like a more of a painted picture of what the deformities are to maybe help guide my thinking. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave it there. See what Dr. Abrams thinks. Okay, well, of course, Kevin did a great job. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> so the things that strike me, first of all, and I always love to start with vitals. So the, 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 the striking thing about the vitals are how normal yeah. they are. And so, you know, listen, we had to at least talk about sepsis because, again, we started with an abdominal syndrome that, that we thought could have gone bad. And, you know, without seeing any more, I... I, I'm pretty much ruling out that this is some catastrophic bacterial infection. Yeah. I don't know about it. Go back to your illness grip for aerococcidial <laughs> mycosis. I, um, think, I, yeah. think, I think I'm out with that. Yeah, I'm feeling reassured. I'm also reassured that this isn't like a vascular catastrophe either with normal blood pressure. I mean, the vials look great. Well, you know, the other thing is, is, is I do want to go back to those, you know, to those first sort of aliquots of information that we have. And and say a, a couple of things regarding that. So looking at this physical exam, this person has some chronic problem. And, and whether it's, you know, a muscular dystrophy syndrome or a spinal muscular atrophy syndrome yeah. or something along those lines, I, I think he kind of has it. The other piece that stands out here is 